Hey, this is Evan Jackson, Video Production Director of New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that today's message will not only challenge, but encourage and inspire you to see God's purpose for you. Enjoy the message. Today is Pentecost, and I want to talk about Pentecost today. But I want to read a passage in introduction to you that is, I think, vitally important to understanding what happened at Pentecost. So um, open, your Bibles, open your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, like, why are we looking at James when we're talking about Pentecost? Well, I'm going to tell you in a second. I'm working with a new microphone today, so just bear with me. It doesn't feel right. Okay. James 3 says this. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. Ouch. Why? For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control his whole body. Now think about that for a second. Now if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they can obey us, we direct the whole body. And consider ships through very large and driven by fierce winds. They are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will, these two words are important, of the pilot directs. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It sustains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. Every kind, listen to this, listen, this is very important. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. Now, I want you to look at two parts of this. A ship is set on course by a little thing wherever the pilot wants it to go, and no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With a tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. I think we've seen a lot of that in the last year. I think the church has got to be careful that we don't praise the Lord on Sunday and curse our brothers on Monday. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be. All right, so keep that verse in your mind as we delve into Pentecost today. Now, go back to the title screen for me, please. Uh, Pneuma, pneuma means, is a Greek word that means breath of life or divine spirit. It is used when referring to the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. It's pronounced pneuma, not panuma. I was calling it panuma for many years, and, there was, and then uh, somebody who knows Greek uh, better than I said, the P is silent. Like, oh, okay. Sounds better that way anyway. Pneuma. Uh, Pentecost Sunday is really the birthday of the church. So happy birthday, church. Yeah. It's the birthday of the church. It is the day that Jesus' ragtag group of disciples were imbued with the Holy Spirit's power for the purpose of living the Christian life with boldness and spreading the gospel of salvation through Christ to the ends of the earth. Pentecost is not originally a Christian calendar date. It was not a Christian thing to start with. It was a Jewish festival called Shabbat, and I am pronouncing that properly. Shabbat, which takes place on the 50th day after Passover 
and is a celebration of the wheat harvest. Now, the wheat harvest was the first harvest that would come in, and so it also got the name of the festival of the first fruits. The first fruits of what was to come. Just think about that for a second. The church gets its birthday on the day of first fruits. And there's a whole lot of harvest still yet to come. That's beautiful. Now the timeline is this. Jesus dies at Passover. He rises on the third day. He appears to his disciples. He breathes on them and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, this happens after his resurrection. He was in the room with them, and he says he, goes, he says he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now he spends 40 days with them, teaching and encouraging them. He tells them to wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit where they will be imbued with power that is soon now, why did they have to wait? They have to wait 10 more days till the day of Pentecost. Right? 40 days, Jesus is gone. Pentecost takes place on the 50th day after Passover. So they're hanging out, waiting for 10 days. Well, I believe, just like, I mean, I was telling, um, who was I telling yesterday? Oh, I was telling Pastor Ariel. I was telling her how if you look at the, the way the crucifixion happened and how it corresponded with the sacrificial system. It's like, it's beautiful. Like Jesus, it says he gave up the ghost right at the hour in which the evening sacrifice was being slain in the temple just over the hill. And he gave up the ghost. He was that. There's a lot of symbolism here. So he goes away on the 40th day and he waits till the, till the festival of first fruits to pour out the Holy Spirit. So the big idea of this message today is this. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled the disciples and they received new tongues which are set aflame by the work of Christ. Set aflame. Acts chapter 2. Everybody open there. Acts chapter 2. Now, Acts is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Same author. Luke wrote Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And he also wrote Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Disciples. Okay? And uh, he alludes at the end of Luke that this is happening, and then he goes right into Acts. And we're going to read right from the first verse. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like a violent rushing wind, came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They were sitting! Now, the other day, I was preparing this message, and there was a part in the message, I'm like, you know, what were they doing? And I, I had like one of those... Um, Mandela effect moments? Ever heard of Mandela effect? You guys ever heard of the Mandela effect? Where like large group of people think the same, something happened that never happened? I had a Mandela effect thing where I knew exactly, without a shadow of a doubt, that the gospel of Luke, I mean, excuse me, the, the acts of Luke, um, said that they were all in the room praying fervently. I knew that, but you had a shadow of a doubt, so I was going to go quote that for you. And I get to the verse and it says, they were all together and they were sitting. You know what that is? That's years and years of Sunday school pictures of the disciples, you know, laying on the ground and, you know, hands folded, all this stuff, like, affecting the text. They were sitting. Now, might they have been praying? I think so. I think that's a good assumption, and I think that's why they children's books put it in there, because they probably were, but that's 10 days. At this point in time, the gospel, the, the, excuse, I keep saying gospel, the acts of the apostles keeps, just says they were sitting, waiting. They were waiting. They were obeying Jesus. They were waiting and not doing anything. 
Actually, it's funny, in chapter 1 of Acts, they actually get kind of ahead of God, and Peter starts doing stuff. And he appoints another disciple. And there's no, like, really good reason why they needed to do that. In fact, many scholars believe that that was an example of Peter jumping the gun again. Because who was, who was the apostle that would come later? Paul. And he was appointed by God, not the disciples. So Peter should have done what he was saying. But Peter's like me. He gets antsy. When there's nothing going on, I mean, COVID killed me, man. I was like, we got to do something. We got to go. We got to do something. Let's go, 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 go. I cannot just sit. Status quo, static, drives me crazy. And I think Peter was the same way. But anyway, at this particular point in time, they are obeying God and they are sitting. Read it, uh, reverse two again. Suddenly, a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw tongues of like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under the heaven. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. I think that's interesting. Because it says, doesn't say that they were speaking in their language. It said that they heard them in their own language. I think that's very interesting. Sometimes when people speak in tongues, it's not a, I mean, they're not speaking German, necessarily. Many people call this a heavenly language. And it may have been that they were just speaking out in tongues, but it was translated to the ear in a way that people could understand. Because it says they heard it in their own language. And that's very, very interesting. Um. Verse 7, they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, that just, that's just a euphemism for dumb. Nobody thought Galileans were worth anything. They were just dumb. So, aren't these, Gal- aren't these guys idiots? Aren't these guys just uneducated? That's what it meant. Aren't they Galileans? Yeah, they are. Aren't these Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Amalites, those who lived in Mesopotamia, in Judah, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. They're parts of Libya and Chiron. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our tongues. The magnificent acts of God in our tongues. That is a miracle. That is an absolute miracle. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. No matter what level of miracle God does, some people are going to sneer. It's just going to happen. That's, that's, that's how it works. I mean, I go back in my mind to the, 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 the feeding of the 5,000. Right? And Jesus feeds the 5,000. They have 12 baskets from five, five loaves and uh, two fish. They feed the 5,000. And there's 12 baskets left of leftovers. And then later on, they're like, hey, Jesus, prove to us you're the Messiah. You got any more food? I'm not even joking. They're like, they're like waiting for another Happy Meal. Like, as if that wasn't enough. That miracle wasn't enough. They, 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 they mocked him. And then Jesus said, no, 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 no. And I'll read a little bit. I'll read a part of that later. Let's keep going. 
Now Peter, ah, Peter, my boy, stood up with the eleven, raising his voice and proclaimed to them, Follow, fellow Jews and all residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. Now, if it was later on, maybe, but no. <laughs> no, it's only nine in the morning. He said, they're not drunk like you suppose. On the contrary, this is what was spoken to the prophet Joel. It will be in the last days, says God, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and cloud and smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is Peter. Remember Peter? Remember Peter? Little old, little servant girl put her finger in his face and said, you, were, you know Jesus, don't you? Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. And then somebody else, yeah, you're one of them. You, you're, you're Galilean. You're, you're stupid. No, you're a Galilean. You're with, with Jesus. I swear I was not with him. I don't even know him. And then later on, he says, this Jesus whom you crucified was raised and is coming again. That's power. It's power. Folks, we need more of that today. We are afraid of our own shadows. We're afraid of getting a bad, bad feedback on our Facebook page because we put something out about God. And it never fails. Never fails. I don't post much stuff on Facebook, really, but I'll put out something on Facebook that really pushes a biblical truth, and I'll get friends. Hey, if you've got Facebook friends, you don't need enemies. Maybe I'll just say that now. With friends like that, who needs enemies? I mean, honestly. We need a little bit of boldness. We need a lot of the Holy Spirit. We need a lot of the Holy Spirit. Often an artist, artistic or iconic depiction of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the tongues of fire that descend on the disciples. We've seen, them, we've seen it in pictures. I know I've seen it a billion times times in Sunday school, the little tiny flames that hover over the top of the disciples' heads, right? Flickering away. That's verse two, uh, two, two, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. They appear in small flames above their heads or flicking, flickering fire that comes into the house. Interestingly, though, the word used for the tongues of fire and the word for the tongues that the disciples were speaking is the same word. Glossia. The basic word for a body part or a language tongue. It's the body part and it's also the speech part. It's the same word. When the Holy Spirit came, his disciples were given almost as a, literally as you can possibly say it, tongues of fire. It was, it, they were given tongues of fire. Their, their tongues were set ablaze by the Holy Spirit. Same word. Remember, we, remember that first passage in James? It says the tongue is a fire. Set ablaze by the Holy Spirit. The word they spoke came from the new tongue. And they found themselves confessing the wonderful works of 
God. Despite the dramatic appearance of the tongues of fire, some people in attendance at the miracle would not believe. Shocker. They just, some people are not going to believe. They're going to come up with excuses. They even used a tried and true insult to show that they did not believe, and they called it, they said that they were filled with new wine in verse 13. Peter declares to the gathering crowd that since it is only the third hour of the day, that they are not drunk in any way, and they're hearing things that are real. These people are not drunk. Now, listen to this. The only other place that Luke, the writer of both Acts and the Gospel of Luke, uses the phrase resembling new wine is in Luke chapter 5, verse 36 through 39 where he discusses not putting new wine in old wineskins. I want to read it to you. Luke 5, 37, 38 says this, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. It will spill, and the skin will be ruined. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. Why is that important? John chapter 3 says this, There was a man named who was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do the signs that you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless somebody is made new, he cannot retain the new wine. Unless somebody is made new. See, what I'm saying is this, guys. The old covenant could not hold the new, the outpouring of the Spirit. Could not hold it. It had to be new. It had to be made new from the inside out. It had to be put into new wineskins. Nicodemus has a question about this, obviously. He said, how can we be born again when I'm old? Can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I tell you, you must be born again. In order to receive this new wine, we must be made new. They were not drunk on actual wine. They were being filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. And it was palpable. It drew a crowd. And I love the fact that these people are like, aren't these Galileans? Aren't these people uneducated? How come they're, how come they're able to do this? And I'm telling you folks, I have seen more often in my life God using people who, who are not the uh, intellectual elite. He uses, now he does use those people every once in a while, but I've seen more often, he uses normal people to perform his wonders. People who are consecrated to his purpose and goal. doesn't matter what level of education you have. I've been reading, again, a book that is just blowing my socks off. Many of you have probably read it. The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson. I read it years ago, and I'm reading it again. Phenomenal book. David Wilkerson was such a everyman. Yet God mightily used him to touch the lives of gang members, drug addicts, prostitutes in New York City. One day, David Wilkerson was trying to get in contact with a gang, particular gang member who, was, who had been on trial for murder. And he just drove from western Pennsylvania through the Washington Tunnel into Manhattan, not knowing where he was going. No GPS those days. Not even MapQuest. 
He's like, I don't know how to get there. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, Lord. I, I know that you have sent me here. I don't know what to do. So he was with him. I can only imagine the youth pastor, right? The youth pastor was driving him. I can only imagine this guy like, this is crazy. Look around, man. We are not in Kansas anymore. What are we doing here? And he said, all right, this is what's going to happen. You're going to just drive, and I'm going to pray. So the guy's like, okay, here we go. Drive in the car. David Wilkerson got a feeling, a feeling, a sense. Stop the car. Stop the car, stop the car. Stop, stop. You know, don't know where they are. They don't know where they are. They've never been there before. David Wilkerson gets to keep the car running. Smart. Smart. Keep the, they're deep in gang territory, right? Keep the car running. David Wilkerson gets out. He's got his tie and his suit on. You know, he's skinny, little, like the body build of Abraham Lincoln, right? And he gets out, and he asks a random kid on the stoop, do you know where I can find so-and-so? I don't remember the name of it. And he goes, are you kidding? You parked right in front of his house. Literally parked. The door is right there. It didn't take a PhD to have that happen. It took an openness to the Holy Spirit. And there's story after story like that. This is the new wine that God wants to pour into his people, into us, into uh, believers who are not concerned about looking a little bit foolish, are more concerned about the mission of God. Are able to step out on faith even though the safety net, we can't see it. It's challenging, isn't it? Anybody else saying, whoa, pastor, chill out? Me too. In the coming of the Holy Spirit, God actually gives us a different tongue, a different word. It is a tongue that is under God's control, not ours. Remember what James chapter 3 said? Even uh, every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. We can't do it. The only way we can have this new tongue is by saying, okay, Jesus, you're the pilot. You pilot this ship. You take this man and you, you point it where you want it to go and I will give my mouth, my life over to you. Speak through me. Show me where to go. Pilot this ship. Wherever you want it to go, let me be a vessel for you, not me. It will probably feel weird to use and, uh, this tongue and definitely look weird to outside the outside world, right? And I'm talking about letting the tongue meaning this, God controlling what we say. I'm not talking about uh, this idea of speaking in a heavenly language. We'll get to that later. I'm talking about letting God guide your mouth, guide your life, direct you where to go, say the things he wants you to say, when he wants you to say it. To not be so in control. Now, I'm telling you, folks, this ain't not comfortable for me. I like control. I do. I really do. I like things neat. I like things orderly. So to give over that control is, is, can for all of us be a little bit intimidating. Some more than others. I believe this gift of speaking in a supernatural tongue is still a gift for the church today. And I believe that the control of our mouths and our the control of our mouths leads our life. Because only God can pilot this life. It's like, Jesus, take the wheel. 
You guys get enough sleep last night? Or am I just being real heavy with you guys today? It's okay to smile. Maybe my singing's not so good. Um, but the idea is that we, you know, I love that the, the passage, Jesus is my co-pilot. You ain't getting nowhere if Jesus is your co-pilot. He needs to be the man in the chair. He needs to be the, the, the man at the wheel guiding your life. I also believe that the supernatural speaking in tongues, a heavenly language, is also for the church today. It's also for the church today. Now, you might ask the question, what is it for and why should I want it? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. You should come to our, our last uh, Tuesday night called That's a Great Question. So here's a, this, this idea of speaking in other tongues. Now, some of you have experienced that. Some of you have seen it happen. Some of you are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So the concept of speaking in tongues is this concept of letting the Holy Spirit take over your, lang- your prayer and speak through you in a language that you don't know. A language you don't know. Now, why would I want that? Here we go. It is a tangible validation of God's spirit indwelling. Remember what I said earlier? When Jesus came back and visited the disciples, he said this. He goes, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive it. Receive it, right? But it wasn't until the day of Pentecost that they had that tangible evidence of that spirit indwelling. It was like, oh man, this is, I couldn't do this on my own. This is, this is all God. God is with me. God is in me. God is for me. I can do things that I never thought I could do because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I didn't make this happen, that God spoke through me and to me. That's what speaking in tongues helps us do. It is also a confirmation that God has a plan for you that is bigger than one you could accomplish under your own power. All right, let me just get real with you for a second, all right? If you're not praying for and stepping out into hard things for God, then you should not expect to receive supernatural power. If you're not stepping out and you're not praying for God to use you in big ways, why would he give you supernatural power? You can do that on your own. This is not for, like, grocery shopping. This is not for making your bed. This is not for an opportunity to have a special moment in church. There's a purpose for this. Now, this could be as intimate as, a personal, as personal sanctification. Because personal sanctification is a spirit-driven thing. We cannot be sanctified in our own power. It could be overcoming an addiction. It could be conquering a bad habit. Breaking the chain of generational abuse. Learning to forgive someone who has hurt you. Not allowing yourself to be held back by fear. Oh, that's a big one these days. Disciplining yourself to scripture reading, prayer, church attendance, and a life of holiness. Discipline. Hard. And hopefully, hopefully will lead you just stepping out in boldness for God. That's what it, that's, it's not just about being like having an experience. It's about being about the work of God. Maybe it's proclaiming the love of Jesus to others. I had a meeting the other day with didn't have a, meeting, a preemptive meeting. Somebody came in while I was preparing this message, came in and sat down in here. And they were telling me all about how they, you know, they don't believe that there's any particular one religion. They're not very religious. And I said, awesome, neither am I. They're not very religious. And I said to them, I said, can I just ask you a question? Do you know that Jesus loves you so much? Well, well, uh, I said, I am, I, I'm not religious. I just love Jesus so much. And by the end of the conversation, that person was saying things like, hmm, I, you know, I never, the person came in like this. 
and left like this. That was the victory. I didn't get, he didn't kneel down, say the sinner's prayer. He didn't break, bust out into speaking in tongues <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the cafe. But he left like, he came like this, and he left like this. And he goes, I might be back. So I've been praying for that guy. Pray for Timothy. Okay? Who knows what God is doing in his heart. But if we, I'm, I'm preparing this message, and I'm literally praying, God, use me. God, guide me by your Holy Spirit. And this guy walks in. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I got so much sermon to write. Oh, God. All right, what do you want? No, no, I didn't say that. We're closed. No, I mean, we have to be ready to let God interrupt what we're doing. Because it's not about what we're doing, it's about what he's doing. What do you do on a daily basis that you can let God hijack? Maybe it is a grocery trip. A grocery trip. Maybe it's to the, not, uh, the uh, communist state of Costco, where you have to have a card to get in. Gary knows what I'm talking about. No, I love Costco. Don't worry. Uh, members only. Maybe it's, maybe it's a trip to Costco, but you're, you're on your way buying like 50 pounds of whatever it is, toothpaste. Okay, now I got you going. Come on, lighten up, folks. Come on. And, 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 and God, God leads you, speaks to you. Listen, I'm going to tell you, God will speak to you. It may not be like, Susie, go over here. There's a burning bush over here. Take your shoes off. It may not be like that, but he will speak to you. And if you, and if you listen with your spirit, he will direct you. The most uncomfortable thing that happened in the last few weeks, there was a woman out in this parking lot. She was crying by her car. And I just, I'm like, I just want to get in my car. I just want to get in my car. I want to go home. It's been a long day. And she's crying. And she's on the phone, and she's crying, and she's yelling on the phone. I'm like, this is none of my business. She's, she's doing something. Just, yeah, God, come on. So I'm like, I, I unlocked my car, put my hand on the door. I'm like, dang it. So I go over in the front of my car. I say, are you okay? All I said, just breaking that barrier of are you okay in my spirit. And she got saved. No, she didn't. She went, she went. And she went, that was it. That was it. I mean, but it was so, it was me. It wasn't about her. It was about me being obedient to the still small voice. I don't know what her life, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you not, not because that was a, you guys are waiting for the climax. Like, oh, it didn't happen. The climax was me. We have to learn to break down those barriers of we are uncomfortable doing what the voice tells. I don't know what's going on with that lady. I don't, I never learned. But I'm telling you, I heard beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wanted me to do it. And it may have just been a test for me. Allowing us, our hearts, to be open to what God wants to do. Because next time, maybe somebody gets saved, but I wasn't prepared for it because I didn't do it that time. Holy Spirit wants to work through, in and through us. So it feels weird. But it's a, this, 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 this word of God, this prayer language that comes from our hearts, this speaking in tongues is to help us in many ways. Um, now, my personal testimony is this, when, when it comes to speaking in tongues. I, I was at a, a youth camp, youth camp, and I had felt the call of God on my life. To be a minister. So this is like, I can't remember the time. Probably mid-high school range, maybe sophomore area. And I was like fighting against it with God. And I'll tell you why. Because I didn't think I was smart enough. 
I didn't think I was smart enough. I had learning, many of you know I had a learning disability growing up. Reading was a really hard thing for me to do, and I'm thinking, if I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to be reading as my job most of the day. I'm going to be studying, reading, doing these things. And I'm thinking, like, I don't want to do that. I got you didn't make me for that. You made me for something else. And I was struggling with that call on my life at an altar at a youth camp when the Holy Spirit took over and I spoke in tongues substantially for the first time. In fact, I should go back a little farther. When I was a little kid, I got one phrase as a little guy. It was a little guy. I remember going to Uncle Bob's band reunion. And I was probably like Lincoln's age. And I was telling all the, guy, all the kids of the, about it. And they were like, what in the world are you talking about? You sound crazy. I'm like, yeah, crazy cool. But it wasn't until that moment at that altar at a, at a youth camp where I was struggling with what I, what, whether I could do what God, I knew God was calling me to, that God take over and show me that it doesn't take, it's not about me, it's, about my, it's not about what I can do, it's my willingness to do what he's called me to do. So I'm telling you today, if you're not willing to step out and do things that are hard or things that you don't think you're able to accomplish on your own, guess what? You're right, you can't do it on your own. That's the whole point. takes God's work in us. And that's when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues at that point. The early church did not receive the gift of tongues of fire in order to say that they had received the gifts of tongues and fire. <laughs> Yay, we did it. No, that's not what the purpose was. What happened immediately following that? 5,000 people got saved. That's called church growth plan right there. I'm not even joking. When the Holy Spirit takes over, I'm telling you, people say, you know, God's not about the numbers. God's about quality over quantity. When? Look, tell me when. Whenever the Holy Spirit poured out, numbers came with it. People got saved, people got transformed, and it happened on large scale. Why is that? Because God wants lots of people to come to know his love and grace and mercy and go to heaven someday. That's the whole point of the church. Not just to make a little club of people where we meet every, you know, here's, say the secret password and we'll let you in and we won't seat you anymore. You can seat yourself. I mean, that's not the point of church. The point of church is to get people to fill these seats so much that the seats are overflowing. Not for the sake of filling the seats, but that more people will come to know Christ. That's the mission of the church. And if we're not willing to do that, we cannot blame the Holy Spirit for not showing up. And I think that's a major problem in the Western churches. Because it's not happening, it's not happening the same way in Africa. The Holy Spirit is being poured out like crazy. People are getting healed. People are getting filled with the Spirit. People are... I mean, it's, it, the church is growing. They shouldn't be growing, but they're growing. People are walking 10 miles, 20 miles just to get to church on a Sunday morning. Maybe our beds are too comfortable. Maybe we need to sleep on the dirt, dirt ground and maybe we'd come to church. Okay, enough about that. Well, let me just give you some practicals, Okay. And I want you, my goal today, my goal today is this. I want to leave you with some things to, to, to pray on. Okay, pray about it. I'm going to give you, I, I, am not, I am not the type of pastor, I do not like when pastors have a, you know, a service where everybody's going to get filled with the Spirit. I, I, or you come up to the front and I'm going to teach you how to get filled with the Spirit right here, right now. I don't believe that. I believe it's got to be a genuine work of the Holy Spirit. But there are things that we don't do naturally that are helpful in this process. Here we go. How do I receive the gift of tongues of fire? How do I receive the gift of fire? And that could be a different language tongue, or it could just be using the tongue that God gave you to say something to somebody at a moment where you are not ready. Ready? First thing you do, 
Oh, I know what pastor's going to say. I know what he's going to say. Pray. Pray. Pray out loud. Do you know in the early church, nobody prayed in their heads? That wasn't a thing. It was not even, it, you know what it said, the Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe your heart that God has raised him from the dead. This was the, they didn't pray internally. They prayed verbally. That was, the, that was the, what they did. Almost as if it was, didn't count if it was inside. I'm just, I don't know if it's, I don't think that's true, but I, I'm saying that they didn't do this. They didn't have this internal monologue. It was always up. I'm not saying you have to always pray out loud, but I'm saying if you want to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to pray and take some time to pray out loud. I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's funny because when you're in your house and you're praying out loud, you're in your own house and it still feels a little weird. But I love when my kids hear me praying out loud. It does feel a little weird. I'll be honest with you. But I love when they hear me praying out loud. All right, so pray. Pray out loud sometimes. Pray to the point of exhausting your own vocabulary. You know what we do a lot of times? I'm going I'm to go out on a limb here and say, most of you find prayer to be boring. I'm reading a book right now called Pray the Scriptures. Oh, poor Ariel. Pray the Scriptures. And it talks about how we often pray the same old things the same old way. And he goes, yeah, that's going to get boring. So pray to the exhaustion of your own vocabulary, and then press in, and you might just find yourself being led by the Spirit. Pray that God will empower you for a special mission. Like I said, it could be personal sanctification mission, or it could be outside. Pray that he will do supernatural things through you. Through me? Yes. Even us Galileans. Pray that he will give you not just a gift of tongues, but also greater gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 29, 3 says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. See, it's not just for the sake of like having an experience. It's to do something. So first one thing is pray. Second thing, it sounds similar, but it's different. Seek. Seek after God with all you have, not primarily for the gifts and signs. Seek after God. Matthew 16, 4. This is right after that whole passage where he fed the 5,000 and they wanted more food. They said, show us a sign. And he says, an adulterous, and gener- uh, adulterous generation demands signs, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. I think that's important. We are not magicians. We are Christ followers. So we've got to be careful that we don't seek after signs, but we seek after God. Seek after God. And then ask him to give you good gifts. What did Matthew 6, 33 say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things will be provided to you. First seek him. And then the last thing. So pray, seek, believe. Believe that God will give you the good gifts when you ask for that. I believe right here, I can say this, if you, if you seek after, you pray, you seek after God, and you pray that he would reveal himself to you, that he would give you the gift of uh, being filled with his Holy Spirit, that he will do it. And you will speak in other tongues. I have no doubt about that. Believe. Why does it say, why, does it, why do I believe that? Luke 11. What father among you, if his son asks for fish, We'll give him a snake instead of a fish. It might be kind of funny, but it's not a good idea. Okay, just guys. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Trust the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And speak the words that God has given you. 
whether it's in a language you don't understand or in one that you do understand. You need to trust the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And just speak. Speak the words he gives you. Pray, seek, believe that God is going to do great things in and through you and be ready, be ready to speak his words. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, this is the day you have made. And we can learn so much. We can rejoice and be glad in it because we're not done yet. And you're not done with us. You want to take us from glory to glory to glory. So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on my brothers and sisters like never before. Lord, that they would see tangible signs of your filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, I look forward to uh, testimonies of people who have been in their prayer time and they've started speaking in different languages as you give them utterance. Lord, I ask you right now to soften our hearts. To allow us to not be so self-conscious about what we look like. Yeah, there will be some people who say, that person's crazy. They must be full of new wine. Well, guess what? I am full of new wine. I'm, new, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I've been made new. We don't put new wine into old wineskins. I have a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I'm filled with His Spirit. And He wants to do great and mighty things through this vessel. He wants me to pour out that Holy Spirit on everybody around. So God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would fill us fresh and anew. Give us tangible signs of your working in our lives. Speak to our hearts and give us your Holy Spirit's direction. Lord, I pray you'd be the pilot of our lives, that you would steer us wherever you want us to go. We could never control our own tongues, but when we put you in charge, Holy Spirit has the power to control the tongue in our minds, in our heads, in our lives. So Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your Spirit on this church. And Lord, I don't know if we'll see 5,000 in the first day, but I wouldn't put it past you. When we start doing hard things for the glory of God, you are going to touch people's lives on a regular basis. That in a new church, it was added to the church daily, those who were being saved. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit takes over. So Lord, do the work in us, through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Now, I want to encourage you today to, to set aside a time early this week and spend some pointed prayer time thinking about these things. I will actually send out an email to the entire church with these things that I put, the practical things I put at the bottom so that you can start practicing.